0: At Journey Beyond Divorce, we understand that navigating through the emotional tsunami of separation and divorce is one of the hardest journeys you'll take. And we know that once the initial fear and pain begins to pass, a whole new storm of confusion, uncertainty, and self-doubt can surface. Journey Beyond Divorce can help you identify and clarify where you're feeling stuck and what steps you need to move forward. Even if they're just baby steps, we guide you with practical, tangible support that you can start implementing right away. Our team of experienced divorce coaches is ready to help you listen through the show because we have a gift just for you. It'll help you navigate your divorce with more calm and confidence. You're listening to the journey beyond divorce podcast with Karen McMahon. We invite you into a journey of healing and personal transformation that will radically change your divorce experience, heal your heart while refining your character, and enable you to be effective and feel empowered as you navigate the practical and emotional challenges of divorce. You're listening to our series on divorcing a narcissist and high-conflict divorce. If you've felt emotionally battered in your marriage and now feel like you're failing again because an amicable divorce is simply not possible, this series is for you. Designed to honor the complex, emotionally tumultuous set of circumstances you're facing, we provide a playbook, a deep level of guidance and support to bolster you through and beyond the divorce process. Our guests include mental health professionals, attorneys, court-appointed experts for the children, and more. Today's podcast, Should I Stay or Should I Go?, explores the incredibly difficult decision to mend or end your marriage. The decision to leave is fraught with a tremendous amount of fear and uncertainty, And that's because divorce changes everything, your family structure, finances, housing, parenting, social life, and more. The decision is also clouded, typically, by a myriad of emotions, including fear and shame, anger, guilt, and uncertainty. And if you've been living in a high-conflict marriage, you're most likely approaching this decision with a tenuous sense of self and self-esteem. And often with the deafening voice of your high conflict spouse in your head, telling you why all the problems in the marriage are your fault and how you're going to destroy the family if you leave. Today's guest is my dear friend and colleague, divorce coach Kate Anthony, who specializes in helping women get clear and take action on their decision to stay or go. Kate's the creator of the groundbreaking online coaching program, Should I Stay or Should I Go? And she is the host of the critically acclaimed podcast, The Divorce Survival Guide Podcast.
1: Welcome, Kate. Thank you so much for having me, Karen. It's always so good to talk to you.
0: Yes, I'm excited. And today is such an important topic and one that you're so clearly familiar with.
1: (laughs) It's just a little. (laughs)
0: So as we dive in, my sense, my experience is that fear and that fear voice is usually the loudest voice in someone's head when they're trying to make this decision.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. And it, it really, it is the biggest decision probably you'll ever make in your life. Right. I think we put more thought into whether we, uh, should leave our marriage than we do into even getting into our marriages um, unfortunately
0: <laughs> and there 's a tremendous amount of
1: pressure
0: from from the moment where you 're even having that thought for the first time until you make the decision, and probably afterwards, the level of pressure, especially if you have children, is huge yeah. isn 't it
1: right it is, and you know the fear is. You know, a lot of it is very well founded. You know, I think a lot of it is these are very real things we have to think about. How are our kids going to get through this? You know, is this the is this the worst decision I could possibly make for my children? We can talk about that later. Um, but this is the fear, right? I'm going to break my kids. I mean, we think we're going to break them. Um, will I ever be able to afford my house? Where will I live? How will I make money? You know, if you're if you're uh, if you've been a stay at home mom, or if you've really just been surviving on a single income, like or you've been used to two incomes, you know no matter what, this is a complete reorganization of a fairly entrenched structure. And so a lot of these fears, you know, and unfortunately, what we tend to do with fear, right, is we walk it up to the highest fear point, and then we walk it back. And then we walk it right back to the highest fear point, and then we walk it back. And we don't sort of go through like, okay, and then what? Right. And then what? And then what? Right? We just, our anxiety loves to bring us to that sort of boiling point, and then we panic, and then we retreat. Yeah, it's and the
0: catastrophic go. worst case scenario that yeah, that right. we're reacting out of.
1: Exactly. And that's where we tend to stay. And then we go back yes. and then it builds up to that point again. And then we go back and we don't crest that hill um, to really sort of figure out like what's true here or what's useful information. What can I really like toss? Cause it's not useful and it's, and it's actually false right? Yeah. There might be false information.
0: And I think that what you're describing is um, those early stages of not engaging with the fear thought, like not saying, okay, I'm sick to my stomach thinking this, like uh-huh. my neck is in a knot, but let me start poking around about how true is it? Is exactly. Are there fears? Absolutely. But when we start looking at that worst case, catastrophic scenario, that freezes us paralyzes us most of the time that's not true
1: right yes when a client says to me i'm so scared i'm going to end up homeless on the street right 9 times out of 10 there's literally no basis for that in reality whatsoever right now for some people that that is something to consider right and so first we have to assess like is that actually is that actually true right <laughs> right, right. Um, but but 9 times out of 10 like you're not there's no world in which you're going to end up on the street
0: right and
1: and i think that's the, and for our first
0: tip for those of you listening simply that question very simple question how true is that exactly. and to 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 take a breath to create some space to step back and to say how true is that uh, would my parents take me in would i be able to get a small place and you start looking at Okay, I probably won't be homeless in the street. Okay, so then right. what else about that fear is or isn't true? And that's a great place to start.
1: Absolutely, and then you can get into the real stuff, which is what else. So I love that. Like, what else about that, you know, could be true? I may not have enough money. I may not have enough money. Great, and that's great information. Okay. So what do you need to start doing about that now, okay. so that you can you know, rectify that because that's something you can actually have some control over. That might be useful. Wow. I would probably need another thousand dollars a month in order to be able to support myself. Great. And what I love about
0: that is another strategy is just to start keeping a list of, and I love that you just said that because I'm always saying to my clients, so that's good information. Right. And so- Rather than you see, right, you, you say, okay, well, I'm going to have my list of good information. Uh, and right. that way it begins to tell me my plan of action for when and if you haven't made the decision yet, but that's good information. If, if, if my finances are a fear and I know this is what I need to do, good, I'll put that on the list and see how that all plays out
1: absolutely and you know one of the one of the first things i tell my clients to do is to actually hire a certified divorce financial planner that is a thing it's a very specific thing who can help you run the numbers right you can have a consult with someone who it's not going to cost you an arm and a leg and it'll probably be some of the best money you've spent right. other than hiring one of us right <laughs> um, because you're going to actually get The Like the real information, not just the fear-based information, but you're going to have a concrete, you know, Excel spreadsheet or whatever in front of you. And that's such
0: a great suggestion this early on uh, because I find that fear of finances is also one of the greatest fears. And if you haven't been the one handling the money or investing the money or even earning the money, if, you're, if your spouse is the the primary earner, then, then your relationship with money is something that you want to look at. And by hiring a CDFA, a certified divorce financial analyst, you're partnering with someone who is so comfortable with money, who understands numbers so well and can really bolster you and support you in that area. And I worked with a a CDFA and she would say, marriage is all about love. Divorce is all about money. And it's such a huge chunk of it. If you have kids, we'll get into that. But other than that, it's really, how do you separate the finances and the assets of the marriage? And so it's a key, key piece.
1: It's such a key piece. And I will say also, you know, since we're talking high conflict, it is a huge... Leap for someone who has been in the in the more submissive um, position in a relationship who maybe hasn 't had control over the finances maybe hasn 't even had information doesn 't even have the passwords or the access you know. Um, you know, there's some level of financial abuse around that to when you're when you're kept in the dark. But some of us are just like willfully in the dark. <laughs> you know, we're just like la 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 la. I don't want to know. I don't do money. Right. And you know, I was definitely one of those people. And so, just empowering yourself to get the information can be a really radical act um, in a high conflict situation. And so, you want to like exercise caution a little bit in how you do that. Right. Um, you know, that's maybe stuff that you have to do behind the scenes. Right. Uh, before you even have the conversation. Um, but do the sleuthing now for sure.
0: And information is and always will be power. Yes. As we talk about getting financial information, finding out your legal rights, whatever information we talk to you about gathering, All of that information is power. And for those of you who are in that high-conflict situation, your spouse is going to be telling you uh, what's going to happen how you're going to lose, Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. all of the terrible things that are going to follow when you make this decision, what the court is going to decide, how much custody they're going to get. And all of that, it is so important that you understand unless you're married to a matrimonial attorney, they're speaking out of their own fear and desire and not reality. Do not listen to that all information, and at this point of deciding, it would be really helpful to gather that information. What what is what is my financial picture, and what are my legal rights?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So, so I recommend people in this kind of situation again before anything happens. You know, stow away some cash, borrow some money from your mom, and get have a consult with an attorney in your state so that you actually just just for information again. Inf- gather information find out what your legal rights are it was one of the most empowering things that I did when I first um got divorced and and I did not have a high conflict divorce I had a super high conflict marriage but I did not have a high conflict divorce um and but just going to an attorney and saying what here are the numbers what does it mean legally in California like right. um so that when I did go in to mediate, I mean, it was totally not high conflict. I, I just knew, I knew where I was aiming, <laughs> like you know, because before that, it, I would have been like shooting in the dark.
0: Right. And you knew what was real, um, regardless of what anybody else said to you, because you had that advice. And the only added uh, caveat to that, I would say is don't go to a general practitioner. Go to a matrimonial attorney, somebody who is on top of the laws, knows the players, understands the way the court works, whatever it is. Like, make sure that the person you get the advice from actually practices matrimonial law all of the time or the vast majority of the time.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, don't go asking, like, your dad's friend who does, like, contract law. (laughs) (laughs) And I had this great
0: real estate lawyer who told me exactly Exactly. what I should do. We don't want to do that.
1: Yes, I hear that all the time. And the other caveat I will say, and I think this is really important, um, is that is to be is to exercise caution when meeting an attorney because often um, a litigator will look at this stuff and their their sort of point of view um, is towards litigation and let's get this going and let's you know file this and file that and that can that can start you off down a really acrimonious path that you may not need to go down. So just be really clear on your container that this is an information gathering session and gather the information and don't do anything yet. Don't, don't do anything with that information yet. Just take the information um, because, you know, you're making the biggest, I say this all the time, you're making the biggest legal and financial decisions of your life in the middle of the biggest emotional upheaval of your life. And it's a terrible combination So if you find someone who you feel like might be preying on your, um, fear or your anger or your resentment, like run, um, don't get, don't get caught up in that. Just gather information one step at a time. There's probably no rush. Um, you know, just as you said, (laughs) gather the information and leave it at that.
0: Absolutely, and and if we just take it a step back, because I think that what is weaved into your um, encouragement for people to tune in is uh, tuning into your intuition, and yes. tuning into our intuition is significantly more challenging when if we have an inner wisdom voice and a fear voice the fear voice is you know on amplified at level 10 the intuitive voice is kind of softly talking to us at a level two Mm -hmm. and so in order to number one trust that you have an intuitive voice and an inner wisdom that's talking to you and then to start tuning into it so that you can make these kinds of judgment calls uh you really have to begin to quiet the fear voice, which brings us back to the first point, which is really just challenging those fears. It's
1: so true. It's so true. And, you know, here's what I will say as well, you know, wrapping this up into high conflict and where it becomes so confusing, right? Is that if you've been in a high conflict marriage, um, particularly if you've been at all emotionally abused, you have been taught systematically to not listen to that voice you have been told that that voice is wrong that you are wrong that you're into it you you have you have been um sort of manipulated into distrusting yourself and your own that that voice of yours so it's even harder for you to hear it Um, you know and you know i will say that if you're in a high conflict situation that's usually the person who's leaving. It's usually the person who is being um, abused or controlled or manipulated who's leaving um, because the person who's doing the controlling is getting everything they want out of the right. marriage, right? They're not, they're usually not the one to leave. Um, and so this makes this doubly difficult. Uh, Absolutely. It's harder for you in, in particular as a sort of um, you know, profile, personality profile. Um to hear that voice
0: and 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 that those years of being uh criticized berated uh, told that they 're right and you 're wrong, whatever the case may be, ebbs away at your um, self-confidence and mm-hmm. and your trust. And so, you know, we do a whole program on trust and intuition. And it's like, we first have to trust ourselves. And yet when, and, and I was in this situation where for 14 years, I was so often told that that I was wrong and bad and the problem. And I considered myself open-minded. So I always wanted to improve myself. So, so I was receiving of this and, and it can, it, as, as those of you listening know, it can just put you in the pit and it can have you doubting every thought and action that you take. And then you put this big, big decision on that foundation and that feels really overwhelming and difficult.
1: Yes. I had the exact same experience and it's so true. You're Constantly seeing like oh 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 okay if I'm the problem if I would just okay and so then you go then you do what you're told and then the needle moves yeah and then you're do, you're doing it wrong still and then okay you do that but then the needle moves over here and it's and and so of course we can't trust ourselves of course like we have no sense of reality and and our and our own power and anything. (laughs) You know, it it carves you out um, to become sort of an empty shell.
0: Yes. And that's exactly, I would say that I remember the second time I went to um, my therapist before I made the decision, she actually was was, um, bold enough to say to me, Karen, you're a shell of the woman I met a few years ago and it just hit me it was like a cast iron pan over the head and it was so true i was just i was a walking shell of myself and so then if we add in being a parent right having children so you're already feeling bad about yourself you've been told that you are the problem you're thinking of destroying your family because that's certainly the way it's going to be presented to you so so now we have self doubt guilt Shame. So, as you said in the beginning, Kate, this emotional storm, when you've already been in this marathon of emotional exhaustion, um, and so that's a lot. That's a lot to sort through. The confusion makes so much sense.
1: It's so much. It's so much. And then you add the layer of children. You know, because we're told that divorce breaks children. That yes. children from quote broken homes. A term that I absolutely abhor, Um, you know, that they do less well in school, that they have, they grow up to have, you know, relationship problems themselves, that they become drug addicts, like all of this stuff, right? None of which, by the way, is true. (laughs) Um, I mean, it is true for a certain subset of divorced children, and it's true for those who have, who go, who are put in the middle of a high conflict uh, situation for when the courts or the parents use them as pawns, yep. and right? And so, you know, this is why you want to educate yourself as much as possible about this, because that's not what hurts kids, but that's what we're told, right? Right, And so, and that's what your, you know, high conflict partner will tell you, right. that your decision is going to destroy your kids. And if you care about your kids, you wouldn't do this. And, and for many of
0: you listening, this may not be the first time you're dipping your toe in this decision. You, you may have walked back from this decision multiple times. I certainly know I did. Mm-hmm. And so the question is, how do you know if you're ready? How do you know if this is the right time to stay or go? Mm-hmm. And so, and and I want to add one more layer before we go totally into solution. Is 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 that pressure, right? Uh, I remember getting pressure from my in-laws. I remember getting pressure from my ex. I remember that there was so much, for me, I remember, I felt like I was sitting on the fence for years. And so the the internal pressure of, oh my God, I'm holding up everybody's life because I'm on the fence and I don't know which way to fall. I'm... I was bad for that reason too. So on top of everything else, I remember that being so powerful. And my therapist said to me, you're not going to know until you know, one day you're going to wake up and you're going to be on one side or the other of that fence. And you're going to be there with both feet planted. And that is what ended up happening
1: same, the same thing happened to me. And I was asking the question. I was asking everyone I knew who had been divorced. And there weren't that many of them at that point, other than my parents. Right. And that was not a model. That wasn't something I was going to, and, but I was like, how do you know? How do you know? And I really wanted a burning bush. I wanted a burning bush. I wanted God, Morgan Freeman. I didn't care someone to come down and be like, here you go. And, you know, ultimately that kind of what happened, right? I had that frying pan moment. I always say the same thing. It was like a cast iron skillet it hit me up the side of the head. And, but here's what I knew. I knew in a, in a flash, I'll never forget it. Was standing, looking in my closet. V- so just like standing, staring vacantly into my closet, like this shell of this person I had become. And I suddenly knew, and I suddenly knew that I had to leave and I had to leave for my son who was three and a half. And at the time, and I realized in this complete flash that if I didn't leave, my son was going to grow up to be abusive to women. Mm
0: -hmm. He was going
1: to choose very codependent, meek women that he could control. Um, And That like, you know, this, the toxic environment that he was in, this was his, the air he was breathing. And there was literally no chance that he was going to have a healthy relationship, like no chance. And I knew that if I left, my ex would find someone better suited for him. I knew this all happened in a moment. I knew that he was better than the person that he was being with me. At least I thought so. At least I hoped so. I knew Mm -hmm. that we brought out the worst in each other. Mm -hmm. I knew that I sure as hell didn't like myself in this marriage and that I hadn't been this person with anybody else. So probably if I got out, I would like myself better and I could at least create, you know, something different. Right. Like we could we could open the walls out and and create something separate, two separate homes, but at least they would be happy and there would be air to breathe. Right. Um, You know, and I will tell you, I am here to tell you that that's exactly what happened. Um, And my son is 15 now and he's super well adjusted and my ex is remarried and super happy, (laughs) you know, and I am not remarried and I am super happy and, you know, he's got two happy parents who aren't, like, trying to kill each other. Um, and I'm only responsible for what happens in my house, right? Like, I don't know what happens. I don't know the truth or the inside story of what really is going on in my ex-husband's world. But that's not my job. Right. Um, my job is me.
0: We're there right when you need us the most. And we make sure you have all the tools and resources at your fingertips guiding and supporting you between calls to be more effective. I was very fortunate to find
1: Journey Beyond Divorce. I would go searching for any piece of information that could either A, give me more knowledge about the divorce process itself,
0: or B, could talk me down emotionally. And I found that Journey Beyond Divorce was really instrumental in providing both things. One, the guidance of the divorce process itself, as well as talking about self-maintenance and what does the individual need to do to kind of cope with it. Let us help you gain a broader perspective and determine your best next steps with our free Rapid Relief Lifeline call. Visit rapidreliefcall.com to book your call.
1: You know, I, I went from being that empty shell of a woman, um, you know, just like you, to being someone who, is kind of fiercely strong and has her, her shit together and you know runs a business, is independent, is you know self-assured. I've got you know pretty solid self-esteem and confidence, and that is not who I was. Right. <laughs> and, and I
0: think that and we're gonna, we're gonna get to this piece. Uh, the opportunity for you, um, the listener, to be the phoenix rising out of the ashes. It it may feel like I I can't, I never Mm -hmm. could, it won't happen. But Mm -hmm. trust trust Kate and I that we, between the two of us have worked with so many individuals and seen the transformation that happens when you roll up your sleeves, you keep a focus on yourself and you do the work to strengthen yourself. And before we dive into that too much more, I want to, I want to talk about the kids. Um, Mm -hmm. There's actually, uh, there's a a Ted talk. um, I'm forgetting the woman's name. And she talks about how it's not divorce. It's conflict that destroys children. And so one of the things that I think we all need to decide when we're in a toxic relationship a dysfunctional relationship is, uh, when we're children and, and especially in those first seven years, our experience of intimate love is what's happening between mom and dad and between us and our siblings. And so if, if like, for me, my children's experience of intimate love was, was terrible. And I had the same, I came to the same conclusion. I actually probably would have stayed and been abused For a longer period of time, but it became so clear to me that my children were in such an unhealthy situation and all they were seeing was that fighting and conflict and better. And my situation is different because the other household wasn't a, a, a comforting, loving household for them, but still Having two households and having at least one healthy parent who's working on unconditional love and helping those children um, find their own voice, stand in their power, set their boundaries, all of the things that we didn't do in our marriage, that is priceless for your children. So even if you're listening to Kate and you're going, well, that may not be the case because my soon-to-be ex, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter. You have no control over him or her or how they're going to behave. But what you do know is if you're the master of your home, if you're living under a roof with your children, what you do with that time can be priceless in terms of teaching them what you want them to know about uh, being in relationship, being in healthy rather than toxic relationships.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and, and building on that, I want to say that um, a lot of people I know say that they want to stay because they think that they can mitigate the abuse or sort of control it or contain it by being there to offset it, to take the kids out of the room or whatever. And the clinical research that has been done uh, bears out that that's actually more damaging to kids because psychologically, unconsciously, you're condoning it by staying. And when you leave, even if only one house is, as you say, nurturing and loving and kind, at least 50% of the time, depending on the custody split, at least 50% of the time, they are safe. Whereas if you stay in that environment, 100% of the time, they're not
0: and I was, just, I was just recently speaking to a fellow who reached out, very, very high conflict um, wife and either four or five kids and just such a heart for being a dad. And it broke my heart because he, um, he was afraid more than anything of the time that the children would be with mom, that he couldn't protect them. And I think that that's something to just put on the table, that it makes sense. I mean, that was definitely a fear of mine because I was always between the kids and dad. Like I was the buffer. And here's what I want to say about that. And my children were pretty young too. They were pre-grade school when I divorced. The bottom line is your children have to learn how to navigate the high conflict personality. And you being the buffer simply... Delays that lesson, and yet, when you're able to um, to talk to them and help them figure out uh, what they want to say what boundaries that your ability to support them in building whatever that relationship can be and what they want it to be is so much stronger than when you're in the midst of the storm as well
1: that 's just so true, and I know that whenever there has been conflict, but you know, my son has come home and said, Oh, you know, this is going on with dad. I'm able to to give him tools. Yes. I, I can give him tools and I can say, Hey, here's how I've, I would navigate that. Here's how you might want to have that conversation with dad. And I don't have to have the conversation for him. Right. I, I teach him how to fish. <laughs> I teach him how to deal with a high conflict person and he grows, he gains skills that are really important for a life on this planet. <laughs>
0: really. I, I would say that as much as it sucks for any kid to go through a divorce, the level of emotional intelligence that your children can develop, if you're the healthy parent and you're willing to invest, not in bashing mom or dad, but in really just um, pouring into them all the lessons you learn going through divorce and your coaching that 's going to be brilliant for your children. My kids are now twenty one and twenty four and I think if i had a if I had a small fraction of the emotional intelligence that they have when I was their age, I never would have been on the path that I was on like it 's just really exciting for me to see I wanted to raise a man that I would be proud of and, and a woman who could stand in her own power and stand in her voice. And it's just, um, it has not been an easy road, but boy, uh, when you put that time in, it, it it pays dividends in such an amazing way.
1: Isn't it so amazing when you, yeah. that, I recently saw this play out with my son where he had his first girlfriend and she was kind of wishy-washy and she was like hot and cold and she was on and off. And he almost immediately opted out. Mm -hmm. He said, I'm not really interested in an on and off again kind of um, situation. And I thought, holy moly, 15 I was like those were the relationships I was chasing you love me that's good enough I'm there no matter what you do you you don't you don't love me today do you love me now do you love me will you love me tomorrow like and right the power play I was like all in it and he was like oh no thanks and it wasn't a big deal he was just like yeah I don't need that yeah and I knew that if I'd stayed in my marriage he maybe would have got you know he would have been Either me or my or his dad. <laughs> like in this situation, one or the
0: other, right? And um, and I think that's important because the, the 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 research does prove that if you're in um, whatever dysfunction you grow up in, like I grew up with a, an alcoholic dad and a rageaholic mom, and so your tendency is going to be. Uh, to be like one or the other parent. And it, it, it just plays out constantly. And so these are all just if, if children are your fear, I hope the information that we're sharing just helps you to balance out your catastrophic fears with, um, with some of the silver linings and, and help you to get clear on what might be best for you when it comes to the children.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And what the research says. I mean, that's really, you know, there's so much research that's been done on this.
0: Yeah. And, you know, the next thing I want to talk a little bit about is, um, do you have to decide? Mm -hmm. And and I have two clients right now that I'm working with, and they both came to me saying, I think, I think I, I need to get a divorce. And And we're completely unready or willing to make that decision. And, you know, my feeling was like, don't make it. Let's work together and let's figure out, because I'm going to tell you that the best place to work on your how you show up in intimate relationship is with the person you're with right now that, you know, well, because you're already triggered. You're already comfortable. You're already probably a sloppier version of yourself. And so this is the opportunity to say, let me stop thinking and worrying about what's wrong with him or her. And let me take a look at what am I bringing to the table here? What's my part in the dysfunction of this dance and Mm -hmm. And you begin to work on yourself, not because you want to mend, although I'm talking about two clients. One is mending and the other one is ending. Um, And so it can go either way. And that was actually very helpful for each of them
1: to figure out what their their decision was. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the entire first third of my program, should I say or should I go, is all self-work. It's all self-work because as we know, you know, around 50% of first marriages in the U.S. end in divorce and about 68% of second marriages end in divorce and around 74% of third marriages end in divorce. Yep, notice which way these numbers go. (laughs) Numbers are not, we don't get better at this. So the most important thing you can do is work on yourself because you're going to heal the stuff that you need to inside this marriage, and it might really help the marriage. Right. It also might really clarify that you need to go. And if you work on this stuff, you're not going to be choosing from the same place. Right. You will be transformed and you will be, you know, you, the reason that I'm single right now is because I, you know, I haven't found someone. I haven't, I haven't settled again. You raised the bar. <laughs> I raised the bar. And it is harder to meet. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Right. Not only that, but I'm also fine being alone until it comes along, right? So, right. but I did, I raised the bar. And so, you know, I'm not going to make the same mistake over and over and over again. I'm just not. And what, what,
0: what happens, which is why the second and third marriage divorce rate is so high, is um, if you leave your marriage... Blame your spouse for all of the problems. And this is for those of you in high conflict divorces as well. If Uh you do that and you don't do any work, you will go out and meet the same man or woman in a different body. You will rinse and repeat. And in somewhere around seven years, you're going to look up, throw your hands in the air and say, why is this happening to me again? But it's not going to be happening to you. It's going to be something that you chose by not doing the work to shift your, um, uh, skill and emotional energy and intelligence in the relationship up. So the next time when, and if you meet someone they're on a different plane, um, and one that's more pleasing.
1: Yes. And I will say that people who are in high conflict relationships and getting out of high, getting out of high conflict relationships actually have a higher, likelihood of doing that because the other person was so obviously, um, you know, the quote, the problem, right? they, They may have been legitimately the problem. You still chose them. And as much as we can say like, oh, but I didn't know and all of these things, there are unconscious mechanisms at work that, you know, Karen, you and I are, Abundantly aware of, you yep. know, that they're unconscious mechanisms and they will have you pick the one person from across a crowded room. Yep. Who is the You know, if it's, listen, if it's like fireworks and you see them across the room and it's like every juice in your body starts flowing, run the other <laughs> direction. That is unconscious choosing this thing, you know, that thing that's familiar and exciting. Yep if if he's like kind of cute and like I don't know he's really nice but I'm not really sure go on a second date (laughs) yeah
0: yeah Yeah. slow moving slow is is very wise but but we do get ahead ahead of ourselves on that um so I want to share some tips I have a few tips I'm sure you have a few tips that you um offer so one of the I have, I have two imagines that I want to throw out to you. So let's say that you're like, you know what, gosh, like, girls, I've thought about all of that. I'm, I'm still a little bit stuck. This is, this is a pretty powerful one. If you imagine that, um, that you pull up one day and you, you haven't been able to decide if you should stay or go, and you pull up and there's your spouse sitting on the step, suitcase packed, and tells you, he or she is leaving, what's the first emotional reaction you have? If it's relief, you have your answer, even if the fear is really, really large. It may be a whole variety of things, but if that question like hits you between the eyes and you're like, ah, um, that speaks volumes. And the other one is um, is similar, if you were to imagine for a second that uh, you wake up tomorrow and it's just you and your children um, and you're, you're okay, we don't know what, you're okay and you're living alone with you children and navigating the world that way how does that feel for you the other person their energy is gone and so those are just two questions to ask yourself to see if that can get under your fear a little bit and help you get clear
1: I love that yeah I do that with my clients too I have them close their eyes and imagine right I love that you know just imagine a life one way or the other and it's and it's often i i can't tell you how i'm sure you know right how quick and clear it is right it's pretty pretty clear you know and then the fear comes in right and so what i say then is you know my tip is focus on the what and do not give much thought to the how at this point point. and i know we mm. started out by saying get information gather information and all of that and that's true right? But first we want to focus on the what. What is the choice? Um, Not like, but how am I going to live? Or where am I going to live? Or how am I going to do that? Or how am I going to afford? No, no, no. All of that will be worked out. Millions of people do it every day. (laughs) Just focus on the what before you go down the rabbit hole of figuring out all the logistics.
0: And, and here's, here's a, a, a little exercise that you could do. Um, if you take a piece of paper and you just put, put, put a cross in the middle of it, you have four squares. And on, on the top uh, left is pain and on the top right is gain. And then along the left-hand side, the top two rows, you have stay and the bottom two rows you have leave. So it's the pain and gain of staying and leaving. And it's it's almost like a pros and cons list on steroids.
1: Mm-hmm. And, so
0: you, and so you just fill out each of those blocks. And what that allows you to do is see really clearly, um, first of all, one block might not be filled up very much at all, but that still may be the one that holds the most power. So after you do the exercise, you ask yourself, which of these four containers, these four blocks hold the most energy for me? And that's going to be the beginning of your answer.
1: Yes. And I love that you said that like, because you might have a really long list of, you know, gains for staying that aren't actually don't hold a lot of weight that aren't energetic, you know, energetically important, right? Where you have one thing in another quadrant, that's way more energetically important.
0: Yeah. It's, so, so it's, it's a quality, not quantity when you do that. So which one really pulls at you the most and speaks to you the most, and that's going to help make that decision for you.
1: Yeah. And if you have like a secret wish while you're going through it, if you know, you're secretly, you know, when you're doing like a heads or tails thing and as soon as you throw it up, you're hoping for one or the other, yes. listen to that. Listen to that. Cause that brings us back to the, the first thing that we talked about. That's your intuition, and it is talking to you.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Do you have any
1: last tips for our listeners before we say goodbye? Um, Hmm, you know, don't, I I don't know that anything new that I haven't said. You know, don't rush this process. Um, Even if you make the decision, don't then rush the process. Give yourself the time and the space to process your emotions. Um, if you're in a high conflict situation, just also remember that as much emotional roller coaster and energy as you've gone through to come to this decision, when you tell your partner, your spouse about your decision, no matter how many times you've told them that this might be coming, This is new information for them. (laughs) Yes. And you may have said it five times. This, whatever certainty you're bringing is new information. So then you're going to need to give them the time and space to process. Once you've made a decision, you may be like, all right, let's do this. Like, let's go. I finally made the decision. It's time to make... This is still new information for them. So now you have to give them the time to get to where you are emotionally. And I will tell you what, if you rush it, the conflict will get higher and higher and higher. I have a client right now who went through all of this, told her husband, super high conflict, super controlling, all sorts of manipulations and all of that. And it escalated so high and I finally said, stop with the lawyers, stop, pull back, Yep. give him three to six months to, to swallow this pill. And I got to tell you, everything, everything changed. It was like within a week, she said to him, I'm going to, I'm going to pause, let's pause this. And he stopped being so Horrible.
0: Yeah, because because um, and the the first stage of grief is denial, and so to to drop drop this information, and a lot of times people say here she's being manipulative, when in fact they're really just in denial, they're in depression, they're in bargaining, they're just bouncing around the grieving stages, and so you may actually, you're listening. It may be that you've been thinking about this for a year or two or more. um, And they're a little bit oblivious that you're, even if you've said it. And so giving time for that grieving process is invaluable. That's such a great point. That's a great point to end on too. Kate, tell our listeners about your uh, Should I Stay or Should I Go program and how they can find you.
1: Oh my, well, um, the program itself is, you can find it on my website, which is kateanthony.com. Um, it's, I think it's right there on the, on the homepage. Um, there's a link to it. And along with my podcast, um, I have a Facebook group for women as well. Um, the program is really, it's a self-study, uh, program. You can also work with me privately to, to go through this, but the program itself is, um, a self-study. Um, and it's, it's, it starts off with <laughs> all the self-work, like I said, and then it goes into um, really breaking down, like what's what's going on with marriage in the 21st century? Like, why are we here? How did we get here? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the third part is a lot of interpersonal stuff. So communication styles and um, healthy communication. What does a healthy relationship even look like? So few of us know. Um, and it just sort of guides you through the process of um, internal work, external work and then interpersonal work. Um, and it's really illuminating and it's helped hundreds of women at this point, uh, really, uh, clarify.
0: It Uh, sounds incredibly thorough. So if you're looking for something like that, you know, go to Kate's, uh, site, check out the program, uh, see if it feels right for you. It may be exactly what you need to help make that decision.
1: Thank you so much.
0: So Kate, thank you so much. Our next uh, episode will be with Susan Guthrie as she shares her expertise and wisdom on the value of mediating your high-conflict divorce. I know, I didn't think so either. And what you need to know and ask to find the right mediator. So stay tuned. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us on the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast. I hope you found guidance and encouragement to help you along your journey. If you like my podcast, please take a minute to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. You can also visit us at jbddivorcesupport.com, where our team of coaches support both men and women through our one-on-one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. Stay tuned for our next episode, and I'll talk to you soon. At Journey Beyond Divorce, we know that sometimes the most powerful support we can offer is to help you process the storm of emotions you're experiencing and gently challenge the beliefs that are keeping you stuck.
1: The way Karen delivers her program is that she validates the feelings, the emotions, the ups, the downs. She hones in on the specifics that really talk to that particular person when they're going through this crazy emotional time let
0: us be a beacon in the midst of this crazy emotional time book a free lifeline call with us to help lift the fog and begin practicing new ways of thinking being and doing that better support you as you journey through and beyond divorce our gift to you is taking that first step with you On your free Rapid Relief Lifeline call, where we help you navigate the emotional and logistical turbulence of separation and divorce. Visit rapidreliefcall.com to book your call.